You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome, good evening. This is Andre Ebron, the founder and the host of the Drawing Board Podcast. I am excited to be with you this evening. Uh, this evening, my guest, unfortunately, was not able to make it, so we're going to spend some quality time together. It's going to be a, a fireside chat during the summertime. Picture that. A fireside chat, just you and I. Uh, as we prepare, there are so many exciting things going on. Can you believe that half of 2019 has already gone by, that we're only six months away from 2020? And I hope that you are crushing your goals. I hope that you are setting uh, your mind, that you're focused on what it is that you desire to accomplish I hope that you're enriching and adding value to every relationship that you find yourself to be among. I hope that you're also extracting value and being and knowing how to receive uh, the love and the support and the wisdom and the encouragement and the redirection uh, that can come from those that God has put in your midst. I hope that you learn how to receive. Some people are excellent in knowing how to give, but not being conditioned on what it is to receive and then vice versa. Some people are conditioned to only take, take, take and uh, don't know how to give. So I hope that everything in your 2019 is shaking out well. And in fact, I can already guarantee you that uh, it is on the upswing of things because a lot of 2019 has been a lot of transition. Uh, different people that I've talked to and myself personally uh, have had to go back to the drawing board because there has been some major transitions in your life and you're trying to figure out how to cope, how to adapt, uh, redefining your goals, looking at your mission and your vision and aligning yourself to where you desire to be. I would definitely like to say that the life that you desire is only a choice away. Uh, that choice leads you into a pattern of discipline, uh, my pastor, Dr. Carolee Dixon, will say it like this, say it in this uh, alliteration. It would be desire, discipline, delight. Uh, those things that you, it starts off as a desire. You know, everybody wants to be fit until they have to go to the gym every day. Um, everybody wants that six pack until you have to give up soda like me. I'm, I'm telling you, there's a six pack crying to come out of here. No, joking, but. Uh, yeah, it takes a, you go from a desire to a discipline. You know, whatever we do habitually is who we are. That's what, uh, Aristotle said. So we have to make sure that we have the discipline or the grind or the stick to or the ability to, uh, persevere to reach the goal. So, uh, everybody wants the success and a lot of people don't want to endure the process, but you start off with a strong discipline. So you have to have fervor, you have to have zeal, you have to have clarity of mind. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you definitely have to have some clarity about where it is that you desire to go. Uh, Then that discipline, man, let me tell you, discipline is where champions are made. Uh, The root word, of course, of discipline is disciple, means to study, uh, to show yourself approved. The word says a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
truth being the highest form of reality positions you to be able to level up. So what you'll find is that everybody talks about leveling up. Everybody talks about going to the next dimension or being able to operate in a new realm of power and uh, or a new sphere of influence. But what they are really saying is that they have come to a revelation or a a, another dimension of truth that makes them more efficient, more effective, uh, more relevant, more relatable. And so now that allows either their product, their brand, their personality or their relationship to go to deeper depths and higher heights. And so that discipline, it, it thrusts you into uh, what's called the big mo. Uh, that discipline leads to a momentum. And, you know, like anything else, uh, when something gains locomotion or it's moving, uh, you'll be able to, you know, see acceleration. Uh, you, in fact, we are in what's called a divine acceleration under an open heaven where the wisdom of God is pouring out. And those of you who just celebrated Pentecost Sunday with me, I know we can give God some praise uh, for our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So uh, if you are a believer, uh, I know some people, uh, they stop at Jesus Christ. You know, they are saved, sanctified, but we got to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. So we got to make sure that you understand that the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that that self-same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you and that it quickens your mortal body. Quickens means it makes alive. What's interesting about it making it alive is that it is actually the word in action. So the Bible declares that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharpening any two-edged sword, cutting asunder the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it is a discerner of the hearts of men. And so literally that word that's on the inside of you, it quickens you, it makes alive, it reveals deeper truth. Have you and some of you might say, man, I don't know about that Holy Spirit. Yeah, you you may not have the indwelling yet if you have not fully accepted and asked the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you. But I guarantee that you have been having a conversation with the Holy Spirit even prior to salvation. Now, that's a radical word. I understand. But have you ever had something just point you in the direction and say, don't go that way or go the other way? Or you're sitting and you just come to a knowing of something and you are feeling some inner what some people may say your consciousness is speaking to you i would like to submit to you that that would be the holy spirit and his gentle nudge uh, that will lead you in the right direction before you accept god and i'm not going to go down this path for a long time but i just want to insert this pin here uh, before you accept god he is still with you in fact he's drawing you with his ever-loving kindness and I'd like to say it's a drawing board experience. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is my main man, Paul. Paul's my main dude. You know, uh, when he got ready to write, like he never envisioned himself writing over two thirds of the New Testament. He just began to obey God and what he had been charged to do. So he had been known as the chiefest of sinners. Uh, he's out there killing you know, as Saul, he's out there killing uh, the Christians and he's doing all of these things with such fervor and exhilaration that once he was converted and went into different cities, people were like, oh, no, nah, man, I can't believe this conversion is powerful enough to take this guy and to change his inside, his character. Did Paul have a change from the inside? Well, he was Saul. Did Saul have a change from the inside out? They didn't trust him. The people in the city, uh, the apostles uh, who were the disciples, they didn't trust him because they knew his reputation. But I'd like to submit to you that Paul had a drawing board experience. He got a chance through the revealed Christ that came to him on the road where to Damascus. 
the light, the illumination. The one thing about light, did you notice, Kate? The one thing about light, everybody give it up for my A1 since day one. Kate is in the house. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> that light is, it, it comes not to just reveal truth, but it comes to illuminate truth. So I like to say, because it talks about Paul seeing this bright light that knocked him off the horse, right? So it was an illumination of the truth that Paul already knew. How do I know that? Because when Jesus was speaking to Paul, he said, why does thou persecute as me? And Paul is like, yo, what do you mean? Of course, I'm paraphrasing, right? But Paul is like, yo, what does that mean? It means that he had already been indoctrinated in the truth of the gospel, that he had already been studying the Pentateuch, that he had already been having these different. Uh, and, and we can break it down for those of you who know, like Paul, man, he was, you know, you need to study about Paul. But he was a learned man who knew several different languages. And he he sat on the Sanhedrin Council and he was a who's who. Right. So Paul begins to abandon what's called his his social socioeconomic status, his charge from his government to follow Christ because he had a drawing board experience, right? So people call it a road to Damascus experience. Uh, for this drawing board podcast, I would like to say he had a drawing board experience where it was a powerful thought provoking testimony that challenged the way that he saw himself and it caused him to examine his life. Watch this and reimagine the possibilities. So now uh, Paul has to begin to discipline himself. Paul has to begin to not just, um, Think about it. Paul is going from city to city, getting beat up. He's getting flogged. He's getting stoned. He's getting thrown out of the cities. He's in stocks and bonds and shackles. But he disciplines himself to continue to speak the word. I have a question. Could it be that you just didn't continue long enough in what you were doing to see the success or the fruit? of your labor. A lot of times we think things don't work or we say it's not uh it's not something that's going to produce anything fruitful in your life. That relationship has no potential. But I wonder if you would have just continued with that same level of discipline, that continuity of character, uh to be able to leverage the longevity that that was there to see the positive results. So Paul did, yo. Paul did. Paul began to write. Uh, he wrote to all of the different churches of the New Testament. And we still follow that to this day. Uh, my mentor uh, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood, known as Apostle Underwood, Apostle Oju, uh, known as Doc Dad, whatever you want to call him affectionately, depending upon your relationship with him. Uh, he declared something to me years ago. He said, there are so many people waiting for you to get in position so that their lives can be blessed. And I remember him telling me that in fourth grade. And so now I share that same uh, really prophetic word or wisdom with you in this moment, that there are so many people waiting for you to get into, into place. But you need to embrace that drawing board moment, that drawing board experience, that ability to think introspectively about your life, examine what you need to change, and then reimagine the possibilities. I'll loft this question to you. Have you allowed the challenges in your life to rob you of your ability to imagine yourself experiencing a better life? A lot of us are just making it day to day. A lot of us are just doing what we have to do. And this this doesn't 
it's not measured by your level of success because I know a lot of people. And when I say a lot, I mean, if you were a part of some of the conversations that I have with some very successful people who are successful professionally, uh, but unfulfilled personally. I know a lot of people who may have thriving relationships, but they they don't have that balance of thriving personally and professionally. And I know that feeling. I, I have had that feeling where you're just from goal to goal, knocking them down, setting the goals up, crushing the goals, uh, doing it. And the satiety of those experiences escape you because Yes, you accomplish the goal. Yes, you may get the fruit of that goal, but you're not even taking the time to enjoy that success. So I changed and I share with you, I changed my perspective. And like I'm no longer like seeking success, like success is the the byproduct of the desire, the discipline. It, it, that's the that's the delight phase that that's definitely going to come. Um, once you get your character in order, once you get your habits in order, like the success will come depending on how you measure success. But what I'm really after is a fulfilled life, a life where purpose is made manifest through my actions and habits that when people look at my life, that they get a chance to see the glory of God on my life. Isaiah chapter 60, verse one, it says, arise and shine that thy, uh, for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Uh, where the glory is, there's no struggle, there's no strain, there's no stress. That's Dr. Carly Dixon quote. No stress, no strain, no struggle. You need to check out her podcast. Uh, it's called Dash. It comes on every Tuesday. Uh, it's on iTunes. Uh, it's within Google. I, I subscribe to that podcast. You need to check that podcast out. Uh, it's called Dash. Um, but no stress, no strain, no struggle when you see the glory. You said prove it to you. Okay, good. I will. Uh, Philippians 419, it says, but my God, what shall supply all of your needs according to his riches where in glory by Christ Jesus. The anointing comes to do the work. It is the, the same anointing that rests on Jesus Christ to destroy yoke, to lift burdens, to minister to the broken and to bring healing and salvation to the lost. So what happens um, when you are doing those things, when you are bringing that word forth and his glory is risen upon your life, it, it takes the work out of work. Uh, it infuses your life with purpose and meaning. And so while there may be challenges that arise, you understand that that is just par for the course, that that comes with the territory of being great. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures says, you know, they that know their God shall do exploits. So exploits, man, that's, uh, you know, that's pioneering language. That's language that you're going to uncharted territory. You're going down that unbeaten path. You are taking the road less traveled, which means that, yes, you may go to the thorns and thistles. You may have a lot of things that you experience down that path, but it would definitely be worth it because when you forge ahead as a pioneer, then you are able to set the course for other people to follow. And I share that Paul was able to do that. Some people have the argument um, and I hear it a lot. And I love everybody's uh, perspective because it challenges me to think about things uh, more critically. And so that's why I welcome conversation with pretty much anyone, because it allows for me to hear uh, their vantage from their experience and from what it is that they have studied. So a lot of people argue like, you know, who's the true Israelite nation? 
And I would like to say, you know, when we talk about being a child of the most high God or when we talk about, you know, being part of the family of God, uh, whether you are a firstborn or whether you are engrafted into the family, uh, we both are the seed of Abraham. And so being the seed of Abraham means that I'm entitled to the celestial and the celest and the terrestrial rights and blessings that was resting upon Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I have those same blessings. So whether I am uh, engrafted into the family, whether I am adopted into the family, uh, if you want to get legalistic, that adoption comes with every right that the natural child has. So uh, when he looked up at the stars and he saw his celestial blessing and when he looked down at the sand and he saw his terrestrial blessing, like that blessing of Abraham, it rests upon you even now if you are a believer. And then come New Testament, we have an even better covenant. So not just the Abrahamic covenant that, you know, lets you know, hey, that you are blessed coming in, going out the city in the field, your store, your basket, uh, the fruit that comes from your tithing and your giving, but you are blessed because you are now, guess what, ratified in the covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed with the Holy Ghost. I know that's dope, right? That is, that's, that's like something to shout about. It is the gospel truth. Like I ask people every day, Kate, this is what I ask them. I say, what's the good news? Whether I'm typing a message in my email or whether I'm, you know, seeing somebody in public and really what that is for, it is to provoke them to thought about what's going good in their life. Because I would guarantee to say anybody right now, no matter what you're feeling, oppression, depression, anxiety, stress, if you took the time to take a breath, you have more good going in your life than you do have bad. I do. I always say, what's the good news? And from that point, I'm excited to hear uh, because I just believe that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And when I wake up each day, I think of each day as a gift from God. So uh, when I show up, I want to bring and present my best self because I never know who may need a word from God from me, you know, through me. And so he may speak something to encourage somebody else. And I just believe that if I woke up, that there's purpose for the day. I cannot afford to be overwhelmed, stressed out, anxious, fearful. Like, yo, I have to be looking for what God has planned for the day. Like the steps of a good man are ordered by God. And I know you're thinking, oh, Ebron's going on out on tangent now. No, I haven't. I'm still talking about my main man, Paul. So now Paul, he's done his road to Damascus, experienced the light illuminated so brightly that it blinded him from days and a prophet had to go to lead him. Now, that's symbolic in its own way uh, that the prophet can see things that the natural man cannot. And when his eyes were blinded naturally, that he had to prophetically lean upon the spiritual eyes to lead him into another dimension of grace. So that now he transitions from Saul to Paul and that new nature, which is the nature of Christ, which is self-sacrificing, that the gospel, the good news uh, may get to those who are lost. Like that is what Paul was about. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, did he not make some mistakes? Absolutely he did. Uh, and what I love is that uh, you don't see a whole lot of struggle uh, as it relates to him presenting his humanity to those, but you see him always presenting the divinity of Christ to those who were like him. So I wonder that uh, it is, it's not a point of frustration. I guess it seemed like a point of frustration right there, but it's just a, a thing I kind of shake my head at is that so 
many people want to know. And I'm not really interested in that, but so many people want to know uh, where other people struggle in their humanity as if that's going to make them more human. Right. And my thing is, as a human being, I already understand that innately you have some proclivities, some predilections that you struggle with. My hope is that we're able to strengthen each other with the word of God and with some encouragement so that you can overcome those struggles. Like I'm way more interested in hearing about how you had a challenge. You went through the middle of a challenge. You were able to endure and overcome because there is no victory in sharing the struggle. If I were to pour out to you right now, all of the things that I have struggled with uh, through my life, but I pre- I don't present any overcoming virtue within that story. I've done nothing but dump the weight of my struggle into your lap. Where do we go from there? For you to be able to say, oh, yeah, he's human, too. Well, that's a given. If I live and I breathe God's good air and I'm able to tread on his green grass, know that there's definitely struggles that exist within my members as well as it exists in yours. But here's the good news. We can have that drawing board experience where the nature of God is able to transform. Watch this. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that your mind is indicative of your the soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotions. And those three components, like Paul had to bring under subjection. And he looked at all of the things that he had learned and he called it vanity. It was like, yo, all of this knowledge without wisdom subjected under the reality of Christ, bringing every thought captive to the reality of Christ. He said that's vanity and he counted it as dung. I don't know if you've ever been in a position or been around somebody who relied so heavily on the natural knowledge that they had, that their instinctive knowledge on what needed to be done uh, to relate to the people of the situation in order to improve the quality of that experience where they totally missed the mark. And while, yes, they're full of all type of um, notable mentions and facts, it's like, yo, this is hey, let's just cut to the bare root of what's going on here and let's make the situation better. For all of my teachers, educators, social workers, human service professionals, counselors like that becomes the fabric of how we engage on a daily basis. It is about giving people the grace to begin again. Uh, to be in the atmosphere of somebody that can see you with fresh eyes every day like that. That is amazing. You know how it is. OK, let me break it down. Have you ever do you remember the first time that you fell in love? And you saw that person with such fresh eyes, you felt like they could do no wrong. I mean, you probably was spraying your four page letter with your fragrant cologne or perfume and putting little hearts and all those other kind of things or uh, nowadays, you may have been uh, just text messaging all of the emojis and all those other types of things. Um, but what you did was your perspective of them uh, was shaped by what it is that you desire to see. And that is the way that we must approach our relationship. I'm not saying be ignorant of I, I can hear somebody saying through the camera. Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them. Absolutely. Never put yourself in an injurious position where you can be hurt by being ignorant of somebody's devices. I'm not saying that. Never put yourself in a position to be compromised either. But what I am saying is 
there is a blessing to be able for the relationships that you're invested in to see that person with fresh eyes. Why did I say that every day from God is a gift? Because he said his mercies are renewed to me every single morning. Like I get a chance to begin again. That's what the drawing board was all about. Uh, It's a powerful, thought-provoking testimonial that challenges the reader to examine their life and reimagine the possibilities. I was saying, listen, it's nine chapters, and this is what I was declaring to you. I was letting you know that everything is entirely possible. Well, that's scriptural. The Bible says that all things are possible for him that believe. It says with man, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And then I talked about the 39th opportunity. Some people you have messed up over and over and over again. But I want to tell you that opportunity is always present when you shift your perspective. Uh, some things can be right in front of your face, but your awareness of the opportunity is what you're missing. Awareness is funny. Uh Have you ever gotten a new car and all of a sudden when you're driving your new car, you see your car like all over the streets? You hadn't noticed that car until you actually bought the car. And life is like that when it comes to opportunity, like opportunity is everywhere. It's present. But until you engage the opportunity, you won't realize how many opportunities are present and around you. That's where that's where the awareness kicks in. Like or people want to call it consciousness when you become consciously aware or when you become I know, I know, I know when you become woke or when you become or when you awaken, uh, the Bible says, unto righteousness, then you'll begin to see things that are right. So um, here's the other thing that I was going to talk to you about within the book. It talks about the gift of mentorship uh, and how it is to be covered on August 17th. Uh, I'll be going back to Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I grew up uh, to celebrate uh, my mentor, uh, the headmaster, the founder of Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School, Dr. Underwood. On August 17th, again, for all the alumni who may be watching, spread the word. August 17th, we will be going back to celebrate Dr. Underwood uh, for his 70th birthday and and can you believe he has been in education for now almost 50 years? I mean, anybody that has a tenure in education for 50 years and has opened a brand new school when people uh, were providing all type of discouragement, when people didn't think that it was going to work, when there were different challenges around providing a Christ-centered education uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, where... There were some people who had the crabs in a bucket mentality and didn't want to see the school succeed, but it not only succeeded, that it was thriving and that it produced some of the best minds in the world, that people are in China, uh, people are doing TED Talks. We have doctors, we have lawyers, we have uh, engineers, we have uh stay-at-home moms who are are rearing their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We have young men and women who are engaging in healthy family relationships and restoring uh, marriage in a way that is reflective of what God talks about. Like this is, this is huge. Like the quality of of people's lives were shifted because of his obedience. Uh, He took some kids from the inner city of Fort Wayne and exposed them and put them on vans 
uh, and we went to New York. I remember I was one of the only eighth graders that got a chance to go on a senior trip. I know I had swag like that. It was dope. It was cool. It was fun. Um, but uh, we also got a chance to uh, go down to Washington, D.C., and we hung out there several times. Um, we got a chance to work with Central State University. Uh, they gave us their old band uniforms, and we were able, we were called Cornerstone Scholars Unlimited, CSU. And we were able to march as a high school in the Circle City Classic. Uh, Dr. Underwood has been the Grand Marshal so many times for the Black Expo in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, named Indiana Teacher of the Year. Uh, worked from when he worked in the public school system, working at Bunch, and uh, then founding uh, Cornerstone. Uh, the church that then became a cathedral of praise international. I mean, so many great things we're going back to celebrate. And the theme for that event is going to be called the anatomy of a pioneer. And when you think about the anatomy of a pioneer, Dr. Underwood epitomizes uh, what it means to build something out of nothing, uh, to walk through uh, the Davidic anointing, that took those who uh, were not designed initially or equipped for war and take those men or those young ladies and those young men and they became an exceedingly great army. Then the transition from the Davidic anointing uh, directly into that apostolic anointing, always reflective, but walking uh, always was reflective in the ministry, but was now walking, you know, full throttle in that apostolic anointing uh, to build nations and building nations is literally building people, uh, taking the the muck, the mire, the clay, the broken parts of their lives and erecting something beautiful. The Bible says it like this, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So, yeah, August 17th, you need to come check it out. The Anatomy of a Pioneer. Shout out, calling out all of the alumni of Cornerstone Christian College Preparatory School. And then I talk about now how mentors transition. So when I moved to a different state, uh, I was able to go under uh, Chief Apostle Dr. Carolee Dixon. I could always call my pastor the baddest pastor in the land, my pastor, your pastor, the world's pastor. And from that point, um, being able to come and, and be uh, sitting under the tutelage and being able to work up close and personal with someone who had been a part of smuggling Bibles to China, uh, who had gone on to do some international work uh, as a missionary and traveling across the world, and then 45 years ago answering the call upon her life. But prior to that, uh, being in communications and was on the trajectory uh, prior to Oprah coming out, was on that same path and and headed out and was, you know, had all type of deals and contracts set up to pursue that career. And then instead of that, answered obediently to the call of Christ on her life. And 45 years later, still running for the Lord. And I know this is a little churchy, but definitely not tired yet. And so I just love the fact that I see my pastor operate with such uh, power, such authority, such dominion, and then letting us know that as Christ was in the earth, so shall we be. That's biblical. So the same way that Christ moved around the earth, earth, excuse me, uh, we were we are also able to do that, like to be able to take your perspective and shift it to an abundant mindset uh, to be able to let you see your life through the lens in the same way God sees you. Man, I, I think that is spectacular. 
our past, my pastor has been called to teach, train, educate, and equip, you know, this next generation of leaders who will storm this earth for the cause of Christ and be able to bring reconciliation to a lost people. Watch this by loving them first. Pastor always teaches us to walk in love. So those who say they're going out doing a great work for God, uh, the Bible says if you have all these gifts and you have lot not love, it means nothing. So uh, the way that uh, the disciples said, he said, you know what? I'll know, I'll know you by your love. So examine that. Let that be something to for you to chew on. And then in all of that, uh, sitting under those two great mentors, it was I was always called to count the cost. Like you got to count the cost of what it means to be great. Everybody wants to be great. But what is the cost? I heard Benny Hinn say uh, when he got a chance to talk to Catherine Kuhlman, he said that he asked Catherine Kuhlman what it would cost. And he and he he always retorts and, and says that uh, she replied simply everything. When you are sold out to what it is that you are endeavoring to do. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, the class. uh ecclesiastical ministry where you are serving under that quote unquote Levitical priesthood as we serve old Testament. You see that, but I'm talking, I'm not talking about if you preach from a pulpit or if you sit in the pulpit or if you, or if you are a preacher or a minister of the gospel in that way, but I'm talking about, you know, if you are a software technician, if you are an engineer at a podcast, like my a one Kate, like it is a ministry to be able to help people unearth their potential that God has given them to express the reality of Christ that no one has ever seen uniquely through you. I think that is so amazing. And I'm passionate about that. One day I was in Kobo, I was at an event and I stood down there by the Joe Lewis statue and I'm talking about Kobo was packed out. And you know, those escalators that are not too far from there. I was watching people go up and down, up and down the escalators And I was like, wow, God, that's amazing that you have an individual plan for every single person that's in my midst right now. Like each one of these people will express another reality about you that I have not seen manifested in the earth. And like, that's why I value everybody, no matter where they may currently find themselves, because there's something about God that I will learn through watching your life. I believe that. That's just an Ebron 101. I believe that I will see a reality about God expressed in your life in a way that I would not have encountered had I not met you. So you got to count the cost. What does it take to be disciplined? What does it take for you to go? Now, you may have the, the heart for it, but you have my pastor say you may have the heart for it, but now you have to go and get the head for it. So a lot of people have a heart for business. A lot of people have a heart for ministry. A lot of people have a heart to be in education. A lot of people have the heart for service. They may be crying out with compassion, but they may be lacking a great degree of competence. And that's what you need to get. Because what takes you from one level to the next level is your degree of competence. What do you know? I heard somebody scream out, oh, Ebron, give me some Bible for that. Okay, absolutely. Well, the Bible declares that he says, my people are destroyed. Bring it on in. For what? For a lack of knowledge. You need to get some competency. You need to go and get the technical knowledge. And that means whether it's trade skills or college or uh, some specification 
or specialization. Uh, you need to go and get that technical knowledge. And that's why I'll be honest with you. Uh, when I run into people who are, who are non-believers and have gone and done the, the work of becoming extremely competent, they see a lot of zeal, uh, but they don't see a lot of results. And so what they're looking for, especially when you're dealing with people who are on that upper crust of success, uh, they have had to be had to analyze data and they've had to, you know, look at different things that are purely logical. But the Bible says he's chosen the foolishness of preaching. Right. So your word has to produce something. It has to produce. It says the kingdom of God is not just in word, but in demonstration means that you have to be able to demonstrate that this word works. And our pastor teaches us in our training, uh, our ministerial training, that you cannot preach from theory. You have to preach from practice. So your effective witness, it comes through your testimony of practice. Think about my main man, Paul. I'm integrating. He is woven through this whole story. Paul never preached a message out of theory. He began every witness with his testimony. Look at his results. I have to help you understand that no matter what you're currently experiencing, that there is a bigger picture. Like today at school, there were some challenges today and if you only address what's happening in the moment, you'll never bring total resolution because there's a back history to most people's interactions. When they engage you, they engage you from the perspective of their entire history. And if you don't take the time to realize that in that moment, that conversation is bigger than just that moment, then you'll respond to the behavior or the action which is the fruit of it, but you won't ever get to the root of it. So there is a bigger picture. Uh, that that uh, degree of success that you're looking at right now, if you get greedy in that moment and you think that that is the harvest when God has only supplied that to you as a seed, you won't reinvest your time, your talents, your treasures back into the same land that produced the harvest because you think that's all that's coming. I had, I'll give you, I had a business situation where we were doing some work and we had finally gotten to the point where some of the larger contracts were getting ready to take place. And this is me before I, I, I got the competence of some business. I was doing business on a handshake and a smile because I was trusting people. And when that contract yielded its dividends, uh, one of the people, one of the persons decided that they would take, and it wasn't a large sum of money, but it was a decent size. And they took the money and they ran off with it. Now I needed that money. It was 2011. I had lost everything, cars, homes. I was in the process of rebuilding. And I finally said, this is enough. Excuse me. <clears throat> for me to lay the foundation to rebuild. And when that money didn't come in, I want to be totally honest with you that some of my gangster proclivities, 
and the predilection to go handle things in a certain way. Oh, they woke all the way up. They they were awakened. But then the spiritual nature that's on the inside of me and wise counsel from those around said, you know what you need to do? You need to tie that to that person and just allow God to bring the increase in your life. Because nobody can really ever take something from you permanently because God is a God who will restore. Okay, I I yielded to that because I know that it was scriptural. It was biblical. Uh, Our pastor tells us like this, and I'm going to say our pastor because, hey, we're a family here, uh, that if you ever see something in the word of God, don't try to bring that word down to your situation. You need to come up to the standard that exists in the word. And so I brought my mind, my will, my emotions to that standard in the word that says that I don't have to fight any battles, that the battle belongs to the Lord, not to me. I didn't have to enact any act of vengeance for the word declares that vengeance is mine, save the Lord. And then my responsibility for my enemies, it says, bless them what? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you or persecute you. My responsibility in that situation was to exercise an act of love and forgiveness. And now to also, from that point, exercise my myself in a position of wisdom that says, you may have gotten me once, but you'll never get me that way again. It brought me to a place to realize that the genius, the individual thought out plan of God that was to do me good and not evil and bring me to an expected end, that it was genius, that it was not ordinary, that it was handcrafted in the business plan of God. Like when you think about the Bible, uh, it is likened unto a masterful business plan. And although we are many members, we are one body to execute that business plan to bring redemption to the world. That's dope, isn't it, Kate? That is and that like if you take and you think about uh, pull your emotions back for a second uh, and you use your mind, engage your mind. The Bible says it's with the mind that we serve the Lord. And so use your mind. And think about how masterfully. God created this plan. We call it the Bible, but it is a blueprint and plan. Almost every businessman that I know uses the principles from the Bible and it produces an extreme abundant harvest in their life. Where do you think philanthropic giving comes from? It is the ability to have a self-sustaining system that helps watch this those that are in need, and it strengthens those who have given. It gives them, it acts a greater principle that says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and runneth over, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom or to favor you. And when people enact that principle, God is no respecter of persons. He gives It rains on the just and the unjust. And when they apply that principle with diligence, they reap the harvest. You are a part of God's business plan. Somebody may needed to may have needed to know that. And then you come to chapter chapter seven, 
which removes all excuses. I love the way chapter seven starts off. I'm actually walking you through the drawing board, the book, just the chapter titles. You have to read it to get all of the meat out of it. But I wanted to walk you through this because on June 22nd, 1030 to 1230 at King High School, which is at 3200 East Lafayette Street, you're going to get a chance to not just have go through the drawing board moment with me, but you're going to a full out drawing board experience. I mean, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be impactful. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be motivated. Uh, if you are willing to comply with the movement that is happening, the momentum that will be there, the wisdom that will be shared, it will bring transformation in your life. I and I am unequivocally saying that that will happen. Why do I know that? Because it has happened in my life. Everybody that I have asked to come speak in some way, shape, form or fashion, I have seen their work be proof positive and the work they do is transformational work. Think about it. Lisa Angel Smith with with the Black Health Academy and Professionally Fit. I have seen the results of people transforming their life goals. Yes, their their body starts to physically get back in shape and they're on that plant base. But when their body got in shape and when they felt better, their life goals were awakened and they started accomplishing their dreams. When I think about Randy and her book, Good Day Goals, and how she's motivating and encourage, encouraging with aff- daily affirmations on a regular, letting people know, hey, man, this thing, it can be everything you imagined and more. Uh, if you want love, you have to be able to exude and give love. You had to, you got to get out of that, you know, uh, musty energy, as she will say. Uh, but you have to be willing to put in the work, strategically attacking your goals, and then surrounding yourself with an environment of like minds that can shoot the, they can have like minds but different perspectives. Now you have to be mature to get that like minds, different perspective. It's an enriching journey when you get around those who are like-minded in their core values, but their perspective provides you insight to an area that you otherwise would not see. So yeah, Randy's going to be there. It's going to be a great experience. And then think about Eric Thomas, Eric Stefan Thomas, senior partner at Saga Marketing. Uh, Eric is known for challenging the status quo. Eric is known for providing uh, what I like to call him is the lightning rod. So he's always going to be that point of provocation that moves you out of your comfort zone um, that tells you this success you want is available. Just go do it. Like, what are you waiting on? Like, it won't happen without the work. Uh, I've seen Eric pull all nighters to reach different deadlines. Uh, I've seen Eric travel the world um, from. Uh, going to MIT, uh, being out in L.A., uh, doing different things, connecting with different people, uh, diverse backgrounds, uh, diverse thoughts, diverse beliefs. And you have to have like a huge capacity in order to take in all of those uh, that diversity of people. You have to be willing to embrace people for who they are, what they believe and realize that someone else's belief system is not an indictment or against what it is you believe, but through relationship and shared thoughts, shared ideas, you might be able to grow. Uh, I've heard my uh, uh, the older folks in my family would say nobody's wrong all the time. Even a broke clock. Go ahead, finish it. 
is right at least two times a day. So Eric will be there and challenging and ripping the stage. And then Ashley, who has such a passion for making learning fun again, helping. uh, And this aligns with what Eric does as well. Helping young people craft their narrative from what it is they experience. Like all youth, all people can be authors and write books. You just have to figure out how to uniquely tell your story, base it in a principle and be able to come out with something that's going to impact somebody else's life. That person right there that's looking at me through the the monitor, the screen or those who might be listening. Your life has value and can have impact only if you believed in the narrative of your story. I told my seventh graders today, I was talking to them and I said, I could tell my story this way. Uh, Mom worked two and three jobs to put me in my wife, my uh, sister, um, you know, give us a quality childhood. Um, My aunt grew up in the, you know, I was over there a lot. Uh, She lived in the projects a lot. of I got a a chance to see what it was like to, to live uh, not in lack, but in consistent struggle. And like, if you don't understand the stress that comes with like consistent struggle, like that, that that's a huge monument or mountain to lift. Uh, for those of my uh, people who are working middle class, and you understand that from day to day you're living in consistent struggle. Uh, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, you're shifting money over here to cover this on the eighth, and then you're shifting money back to cover this on the fifteenth, and then you got to get ready to put the whole check over here uh, to cover this on the twenty-first. Like that consistent struggle, it robs your creativity because you're in survival mode. And so that I have seen that. I have experienced that. I have lived that through my childhood. But I told them, I said, I can either either present my story to you that way or I can say that I had a mother who was tenacious and didn't take no for an answer. She was willing to do whatever it took to ensure that her children would not have to endure the same struggles that she did. She provided me wisdom, encouragement and 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 strength that even through uh, MS and, and falling at times that she would get back up again every single day and work as hard as she could and as long as she needed to to make sure her children had food on the table, clothes on their back, a willingness in their spirit, and that they were engaged in environments and around people that would speak and affirm their greatness. Now, did you see the drastic difference between how you craft your narrative and how you share your story? My, pers- my, my thing is your life has immense value if you just believed in yourself. So Ashley helps young people. Uh, through her junior storytellers program, uh, through Miss Ashley, and she has a nonprofit called Genius Patch uh, that is dedicated to going into urban underserved areas and bringing exposure and life to those young people by making learning fun again. And that's what it is. You you ask yourself, why isn't my child learning or the different modalities or methodologies that it's going to take for them to learn again is because You have made it an arduous task and you have robbed it of its creativity and fun. Do you remember the first time that you learned something that how you lit up, how that smile was on your face, how you mastered it and you were able to move forward with confidence because somebody made learning fun for you? Yeah, it's time to make learning fun again.
And then Harlan J. Bivens, my main man, he'll always say, hey, big guy. Uh, Harlan J. Bivens, Better Youth Movement Detroit, has given away millions of dollars in scholarships over the years. And he has also been part of the Be Me Fellowship, which went around uh, helping to reshape and craft a narrative around uh, brown and black communities and really just asserting the fact that there is so much wealth uh, in those communities. He's noted for saying this, and this is one of the things that I take from our conversation, is that poverty is a conversation, just like wealth is a conversation. You just have to choose which conversation you're going to participate in. And then Theopolis Smith the third, better known as Fresh Laundry. He has artwork hanging in Spike Lee's home, Universal Studios, Supercent, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And soon, next week, I can't wait, next week, Saturday, he's going to paint a live piece on stage, and then that's going to be able to hang in Chateau Ebron. Yes, the Chateau of Ebron. It will be there. Somebody asked me, was I going to sell it? I said, absolutely not. The drawing board experience is going to be lit and live. And then guess who else we have added to the show? Shane Fitness 101, Shane McCollum. Shout out. He's going to be there definitely with Step Aerobics. He's going to watch his step until you sweat. I don't know if I'm going to sweat that day or if I'm even going to step that day, but he will be on stage with his crew and all of these people will have vendor tables, product available. And I'm just super excited that they will be here. I am hosting this with my lovely wife. Uh, my daughter is going to have a violin solo that day and uh, it's just going to be full of fun uh, to register for the conference. You can go to Eventbrite or you can reach out to me at info at Ebronassociates.com. You can also uh, contact me 313-663-8772. I want to talk to you personally because guess what? You need to be here for the drawing board experience. Now with the time that we have left, I want to finish this by saying it's time to get rid of every excuse. It's time to say no more. What exciting adventures, opportunities, and possibilities live on the other side of your fears? Stop. Think. Answer the question. The smile on your face I see right now. The passion in your soul. The dreams in your heart. They deserve a chance to breathe. To breathe the fresh air of fulfillment to impact the lives of those around you, to leave a legacy for those that will follow you. Speak to your fear and declare today, no more. Closing out the show, it's time for you to move because I want to declare to you today that everything, everything, absolutely everything is on go. Your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. I'm Andre Ebron, the founder and the host, the author extraordinaire of the drawing board, the book, the podcast, the experience. God bless you.